Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Degenerate Generation, DGen. It's your host, Mohammed. And today I actually have with me Ahmed Ahmed, a local pharmacist and the mind behind your pop. Welcome, Ahmed. <laughs> Thank you, Mohammed. Thank you for having me on here and you know, creating this platform for people to voice their voice their stories, share their perspectives. So that's what I'm here for today. Oh, nice. So what a lot of my listeners really like to know or what the main focus of this podcast generally is, is to figure out what were some of your struggles coming into your career and why did you decide on your career? So we've already introduced that you're a pharmacist and that in itself is a huge struggle or in like um, a lot of steps to get into in today's world. So what made you sure. decide on that career track? Yeah. So I know, you know, there's always that, you know, cliche. I loved my science classes, you know, ever since I was I can't even remember how long ago that was, but regardless, I enjoyed, you know, the basic sciences. So I really liked biology. I've always had like curiosity. So I was a very curious child from when I was as young as I could remember. And then going through high school and college, you know, I decided to really focus in on these basic science courses. And, you know, from that, I just really loved the chemistry more than more so than the biology or the human anatomy, physiology. And so I found, a, you know, a pretty happy medium was pharmacy. So again, it's really pharmacists initially for, for a little mini history lesson were actually chemists back in the day. And slowly but surely pharmacy ended up becoming when physicians started, you know, um, straying away from the dispensing aspect of medications and instead focusing on the diagnostics. Slowly but surely pharmacy developed into a field that was a sect of chemistry or, you know, people who were pursuing to become chemists. Yeah. So that's kind of how I initially got exposure to it. I also had a cousin, thankfully, down in Texas, who let me visit her my freshman year of college when I was more undecided, dentistry, pharmacy, medicine, you know, the typical STEM type um, sciences. But yeah, she took me under her wing for about a week when I was there. She showed me her lifestyle. Her, She had an independent pharmacy back there. So, and she still does to this day. But regardless, um, again, just that introductory phase and you know early on as a freshman in college i was like wow this is pretty cool i think i can do it you know and at the same time i went and chatted some dentists and i was like yeah not for me at all <laughs> so then how'd you really go about um even finding these people to shadow because from what i've noticed a lot of times in college careers or especially as a minority in college um we don't really have too much information on uh, different resources that are available to you and then how to go about finding a mentor, how to go about navigating a field to figure out really your level of interest. Yeah. So one big thing is, I think it has to do with my community. So again, I grew up in the Iowa City area and thankfully I was fortunate enough to go to college in Iowa as well. Pretty much exactly the community that I, grew, that I grew up in. So with that being said, I had exposure to a lot of different mentors, different professionals that looked like me. Right. So minorities, people that I can go ask for advice, having my own family members. Right. So I'd mentioned my cousin in Texas, the fact that she was a pharmacist, you know, she practiced an independent pharmacy, kind of what I wanted to do, allowed me to ask her questions when things came about. Right. So I actually have a, a few other family members that were pursuing pharmacy as well and are currently working as pharmacists. So for me, it was truly I'm truly fortunate in that I had access to those people, but I know not everybody does. And so, you know, we'll probably get into it at some point during our episode here today. But, you know, at some point for me as an undergraduate student, I thought I was no longer going to be pursuing pharmacy just because of, 
you know, one exam here, one exam there that I didn't do so hot on. Mm. Okay. I mean, that definitely makes sense. So since mentorship itself wasn't too much of an issue for you, what were your biggest struggles really coming in? Um, I know sometimes classes could be a little bit difficult. It could mm -hmm. also be, like you just mentioned, not doing too hot on exams. And especially in STEM majors, it seems like a huge driving force of success is being able to have a circle of people that study with you, people that that can trade materials, and then a lot of like extracurriculars that you end up doing. Yeah. So what were some of your biggest challenges in that field? Yeah, so definitely during undergrad, I remember this because it was like literally the first time I ever failed an exam, but it was during my uh, biology two course. So if you know anyone knows the route to pharmacy, medicine, dentistry, etc., you have to take a lot of basic science courses. So for me, the big hurdle, you know, first year I was like, oh, chemistry, calculus, all these classes came pretty easy to me. And I was like, fantastic. Then came bio two. Again, the focus in that class was plant-based biology, animal biology. And I didn't have the interest there. So I remember sitting down on my first exam, getting my score back a 48% with a class average much higher than that. So that was the first time I actually bombed an exam thinking to myself, wow, is this really met for me? Am I cut out for this field if I'm unable to even, you know, successfully navigate the pre or the prerequisites or undergraduate courses? So I remember when I got that F, I then reflected, you know, and thankfully I had people to reach out to and I said, hey, I don't think I'm cut, I'm cut out for this stuff. I maybe need to find or pivot to a different field. And then they gave me the, the response saying, you're learning about plants and animals. Like this is probably the least thing that you're going to ever see in your career. And, you know, they had, it was pretty, their, their response was definitely valid. And I feel like my big thing was, I was so focused on the fact, like that fear of failure continuously thereafter, or falling into the hole of, wow, now we're going to talk about things like imposter syndrome, or I feel like maybe I don't belong here. And, you know, with that, just the psychological aspect of failing an exam really can, you know, end up just snowballing into creating, you know, this continuous sense of failure, et cetera, to the point where really I decided, I almost decided to change majors. Yeah. I've definitely been there. Um, I used to be a cell and molecular biology major and I failed a lot of exams and I just realized that I was very disinterested in that field, which really was the mm -hmm. catalyst to driving me to switch to accounting. And I wouldn't say that I did too hot in that major either, just because that in itself was also a choice that wasn't very well thought out at the time because I had approached it from an aspect of um, that this is something that's stable or so this is something that's safe, but then I needed to find what's interesting about it to be able to kind of pivot and then manage my career while I was still in college before I graduated so that I wouldn't graduate into just darkness and not figuring out what I really needed to do. Right. So then since that's like one of your, your main struggles that you had, even coming back, how did you bounce back from that? And, um, what extracurriculars did you really do to get yourself a little bit more um, involved and really increase your interest? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like when it came to like, this is like interview time or thinking back, it's been a while. Cause you know, I'm pretty much two years out of pharmacy school at this point in my career. So just thinking back, you know, really the big thing is embracing the fact that I was a minority, right? So there are a lot of resources available, readily available to minorities, but the problem is, typically speaking, and I don't want to bash on you know the institution I attended, my alma mater, the University of Iowa, 
But regardless, it seems like the majority of advisors that are within our institution, and it seems like this is kind of across all institutions, probably in the United States, is that the majority of advisors, unless you go to an um, uh, HBUC or anything like that, they're going to be Caucasian advisors. Those are the majority of them. So if I would seek advice from someone, you know, within the realm of, you know, those who I've spoken about, their response usually was, okay, how do your grades look? Um, you know, they're, they're comparing you basically to your Caucasian peers or your majority peers. But as a minority, you know, you have a minority story. So the more you can embrace that, I feel like the more you can project yourself forward. So for me, instead of, you know, looking at my peers and saying, wow, I really need to conform to their ways and change my ideals and my struggles to basically, you know, hide them away. No, I embrace them. I embrace the fact that I came from a low income, you know, household. I embrace the fact that, you know, I struggled. I had not the best grades in undergrad in some courses that, yes, I was disinterested in, as Muhammad kind of mentioned. But I think that's the biggest thing. So because of those, because of the embracement, I think it led me to pursue additional things to think, okay, if I'm not excelling in one area specifically, where can I excel elsewhere? So again, use doing things like volunteering, being a part of SNAFA, which is just a, it's a pharmaceutical, uh, it's a farm, like a undergraduate pharmacy program that you could be a part of tutoring. I did a lot of tutoring to my peers. So I did poorly on some classes, but excelled on others. So again, finding my strengths early on, I decided to capitalize on those. So I think all of those things really showed during the application process into getting, you know, finding a program or applying to pharmacy schools. And I think that's really what projected me forward. You know, all the extra things I did outside the classroom, tutoring, as I mentioned, volunteering, being involved in some um, being a president of one um, club that we actually started at the university, being a part of Toastmasters. Not a lot of people know about Toastmasters, but if you haven't looked into Toastmasters, this is like a shameless plug, although I'm not getting paid for this at all. They are a fantastic organization that helped me quite a bit with my professional development. Nice. Yeah. So then now you had mentioned that you're two years into your career right now, and I know that you work at a local pharmacy here in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to go more of a local route rather than uh, <laughs> a more corporate or big, big pharma type situation? That is a very good question. So <laughs> a lot of my classmates who ended up pursuing, you know, working for a bigger retail pharmacy aren't very happy with their career choice. Yes, you make the big bucks and, you know, but that comes with the expense of, you know, work-life balance. So, you know, if you go out and work for the three-letter pharmacy or the corner of happy and healthy, the majority of the time, the prescription volume that you're looking at is anywhere between, you know, comparing to where I currently work, I work at a local mom and pop shop. It's a hometown pharmacy, it's called. But regardless, um, you know, we're looking at probably a tenth of the prescription volume that some of these bigger pharmacies are doing, even in the local level within our community. So if you compare that, with the same staffing, stay, uh, same amount of staff that are present, technicians, pharmacists, clerks, etc. Just think about that. 10 times the workload for not much of a difference in pay. So I think that's the biggest thing. And number two is outside of pay itself, I should have probably init uh, initiated with this, is the fact that I get to spend more time with my patients. So for example, today, like one patient that I spent about 30 minutes with, if you try to do that, any big box or big chain pharmacy, it's not going to happen. You don't have more than 30 seconds to a minute to quickly speak to your patient and get them out of your door. Because guess what? There's another patient waiting right behind them. But for me, I get more time 
And, you know, I get the luxury to really spend time, look at their profiles. I get to look at lab values with them. So again, you know, we go to school to graduate as, you know, a doctor of pharmacy, right? So you have this clinical training. It's a clinical doctorate. So with that being said, it's like, okay, I've, I've done all the schooling to now go out and just dispense medications and that's it, right? It's a very technical position if you look at it from that sense. It doesn't require any type of, you know, next level thinking. If you go out again and work in these big boxes, that's what you're pretty much doing, a very technical uh, technical thing. The computer does all the clinical checks for you. You just hit bypass, bypass, bypass. And that's where we know so many errors occur from these bigger pharmacies, right? Um, incorrect drug getting to the patient, for example, very common, or incorrect dose getting to the patient. So the stories are numerous. You can you know always Google these, but I think that's the biggest reason why I decided to um, head towards more of an independent route. And I did complete a pharmacy residency first, which was a community-based pharmacy and helping because the big thing with mom and pops, sorry, I can go off on a tangent, guys, but the big thing when it comes to mom and pops is you have to be able to um, diversify your services that you're offering to your patient population. That'll give you competitive advantage over the big boxes. So for us, we have things like um, MDPP. So it's a diabetes prevention program that we're running. And with that, you know, we do things like health coaching. We do supplement reviews. We're also very focused on functional medicine. So the list goes on. But again, only at the local level or smaller scale pharmacies will you be able to see these kind of things. So that's that's really what brought me to independent pharmacy. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. So then right now at this point in your career, I know it's still kind of beginning of a starting block, but then you tend to have an interest in not only mentorship and helping people, but also just continuous learning. And from that being said, like, I know that you run a YouTube channel called Your Pop, where you talk about stocks and finances. So <laughs> could you talk a little bit more to that? And why'd you start that YouTube channel? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, initially, I actually had a podcast that I was um, recording on. This is again, pre-pandemic way back 2018. I think it was the last time I even recorded an episode. But it all started out with just my love for the YouTube space. I really like the fact that, you know, anybody can go on there and start creating content. Right. You go click the record button, talk about whatever it is that you enjoy talking about, upload and then on to the next. So I started doing a podcast. And again, it was a minority podcast, similar to what Muhammad's doing here on the Degenerate podcast. But regardless, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I saw a lot of success, thankfully, with stock trading in 2020 when the market crashed. This was back in March. I looked at everything. One of my cousins from Canada actually called me and he said, Ahmed, like, hey, man, you need to you need to start looking at these stocks because the U.S. stock market is going downhill pretty quickly because the whole country and the world was pretty much going on lockdown. So a lot of, you know, as they call them, the paper hands were selling out of their stock positions, which created huge buying opportunities for the retail investor. Like, you know, maybe you listening or like people, Muhammad and I, who just do this for fun. We aren't institutions. We aren't hedge funds. We're not the big dogs. But regardless, when I saw this opportunity, especially when it came to like airlines, for example, I bought, I remember Delta Airlines stock, American Airlines, Canadian Airlines, all these that were beat up badly in the beginning of the pandemic thinking, why are people selling their stocks if at some point the world will go back to normal, right? right? So I realized, you know, when it comes to the market, so much of it is psychological and a lot of people were overlooking that. And again, people lost a lot of money during the market crash. But for me, 
it was the first time I got introduced to it. So I actually got to capitalize on people's paper hands. <laughs> so that's really my introduction. And then I started making videos around the space of um, stocks. And, you know, I started with my, I don't know, from the previous channel content that I had, we were sitting, you know, around that 2000 subscriber mark for a while, but things just started going, you know, astronomical because people just wanted to listen maybe to another colored person talking about stocks. I don't know exactly why, but it just kept going. <laughs> so then um, you had pretty much just mentioned like at some point things will go back to normal. And I think some people would argue that the norm, the normal that we're going to go back to is no longer normal. It's mm. just going to be a little bit of a changed landscape. So when it comes to the job market overall, how would you think that for that would change the environment for students and for people coming into looking for their first job? Like what what tactics or what kind of advice would you really give to students now about gearing up or preparing for the job market if they're virtually learning or about to graduate in this coming up time frame? That's a very, very good question. So I think it's definitely multi-layered. But I think, you know, for the people who are currently in school, I know, for example, when I applied for residency, I went, again, talking to specifically people who are interested in pharmacy, I went to the residency showcase, which was in Anaheim, California. So it was 50, 60,000 students competing for very similar positions in that, you know, they're trying to take their, their one step forward after graduation and receive, you know, postdoctoral training. But the big thing is, guess what? 2020 canceled. There was no... um there was no mid-year conference for you to network in person with other people, shake hands, hand your resume physically. Rather, they changed everything to a Zoom-based or you know online-based interview format. So I think the big thing that we can get out of that is, can this be the new norm where you know interviews are now just going to be completely virtual? Possibly. I'm doubtful. Again, as soon as our numbers start to continue to trend down as they have been, people are getting vaccinated. I think at some point, there will be more, you know, face-to-face -face interactions probably by the end of this year, if not going into 2022. But until then, especially those of you who are seniors, those of you who are about to graduate, you know, do realize, yes, you've been dealt these cards that aren't, you know, the most ideal. But guess what? It's not just you that is in, that is a part of this boat. You have your whole cohort, your entire graduating class that's in the same boat. And at the end of the day, you're still applying for you know, very similar positions. Yes, it's true. But you can really use the internet to your advantage. You can go online, try to find, use LinkedIn. You know, I don't know how to say that enough. Right. LinkedIn, I think, is like the number one place to go on there. Guess what? If you're a pharmacist or a pharmacy student right now in your fourth year and you're looking for um, a residency position, if you just look up that site that you're interested in, a certain hospital or a certain place, even if you write Walgreens, right? If you just write that on the search bar in LinkedIn, you're going to find hundreds of employees that are there. You'll find a recruiter. You'll find people to contact, send a message to, and the access is still there. Even though it's not in person, the access is still there, folks. That's definitely true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I also can't stress that enough. I talk about LinkedIn a lot in terms of networking because part of the way that the landscape of jobs has changed today is just referrals, 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 and more referrals, and just being able to network yourself into jobs, into positions, because the days of just applying and waiting for a response are just long gone. Because even though we have these systems that parse out different resumes and then um, filter things, 
it's still not enough. A lot of times recruiters need to know your face. They need to know how you talk. And I think a big part of the 2021 and going forward the next decade or so is going to be um, emotional um, intelligence rather than just a straight up technical intelligence because mm-hmm. we need to see and employers need to see people that are able to talk to others, people that are able to connect, people that have the soft skills because technical skills can always be trained. So it's going to be very interesting to see how these things uh, parse out in the next few years. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So thanks a lot, Ahmed, for coming on to the podcast. I mean, I appreciated your feedback and everything that you've been saying. It's, it's definitely been enlightening. So if any of you guys want to learn a little bit more about stocks, especially when it comes to pharmacy stocks or any kind of medical stocks, you should check out the channel. It's your pop on YouTube. That's your as in the word and pop P O P. And that's actually an acronym for pursuit of purpose, your pursuit of purpose. Yes. Thank you, Muhammad. Right.